The Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Licio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Licio. Hello, Flagler County. Rich, it's my favorite time of the year. There's so much going on, both in my life, in the in the Flagler County sports world, and in the sports world itself. Where else would you rather be? Oh yeah, a lot of great things going on here in the local sports. But I have to, I have to fight back against that a little bit. In particular, this weekend is not my favorite time of year because it is officially our first weekend without NFL football. What can I do with myself? Oh my goodness. It's so depressing. No football today. No NFL Sunday. It's all over, Mike. It's all over. It goes by so quick. I would say the pro bowl, but I know how you feel about (laughs) that. And I'll tell you a story. When I had my show up in St. Augustine, going out of the first break, I would always tease that, when we come back, we would have a Pro Bowl recap, and then I'd come back and say, you know, welcome back, blah, 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 blah. And then I'd go, whatever the score was, AFC 46, NFC 31. <laughs> That's your Pro Bowl breakdown, and then I'd move on to the next story because that was back when it was an actual football game, and even then it wasn't worth talking about. I've got some breaking local news, Rich, actually, oh. as we're recording this that I've been informed of. FPC offensive coordinator Jake Medlock has signed – to be a quarterback with the Albany Firebirds of the Arena Football League. Wow. And we saw him heaving it during those warm-ups before games, especially that was at Live Oak, right? We saw him hit the the goalpost from 50 yards away, the crossbar. Yeah, he hit the crossbar, and he hit it, and the ball went straight down. So that means he hit it flush (laughs) uh, from the the, um, 50-yard line. So that's a 60-yard throw, if my math is correct. It's early in the morning. I don't know if it is. But – um, yeah, so he's signed with the Albany Firebirds of the Arena League. Um, Jimmy Robinson, former FPC star, also has played in the Arena League. So we've got some, it's football county for a reason, Rich. That's right. And I'm pretty pumped up about that. I don't know what that's going to do, uh, if that affects his uh, FPC responsibilities as OC, but I guess time will tell, right? Yeah, I would think the season would be wrapped up in time for him to get back for for high school football season, but we'll have to see how that plays out. And, you know, I'm going to try and get in touch with Coach Medlock, and maybe we'll hear from him on next week's Rich and Mike Sports Show. It, it, it was Football County this week, but it was a tough week for Football County, for most of Football County, as far as the other football, soccer. We had district tournaments this week. The FPC Bulldogs advanced all the way to the finals, but fell to Lake Mary. Um, star goalkeeper who had 11 clean sheets, Tegan Paulo, got injured, and then the floodgates opened up, and Lake Mary was able to eliminate FPC. And then on Tuesday night, the uh, Matanzas Pirates girls team were eliminated by the Seabreeze Sandcrabs. And Wednesday night, it was a 5 0 victory for Lake Mary over the FPC girls in their district final. Wait but- a second, Mike, hold on before you, let me just stop you for one second. What is it with uh, us here locally, uh, flag the Palm coast, Palm coast and facing off against Lake Mary in these playoff games. And, and uh, we're always going home with the L <laughs> we've had a, we've had a few of those over the years. Haven't we? Baseball, 
football. <laughs> I think there's a chance it happens in basketball in districts this week. It, it, we're inextricably, there's a big word, inextricably linked to Lake Mary, unfortunately. Yeah. But the call was lost. <laughs> oh, okay. Tuesday night, the Matanzas boys returned the regionals for the third time in four years with a 5-1 win over Seabreeze. Avenging the ladies' loss to the Sand Crabs with a 5-1 win of their own. Two goals for Diego Bernardi. The Pirates' opponent has not been announced. We should have that for you by the time the Monday sports come around. But congratulations to the to Berto Aguilar's squad for going and winning the district for the third time in four years. Again, we don't know who they'll play in the playoffs, in the regional playoffs, but they are there. And that is something to be celebrated. There you go. Congratulations. That's awesome. A We've W some... making up for the Lake Mario losses, Mike. I like that. That's it. And so now we have more district tournaments this week. We've got some basketball coming up. And, you know, we had the FPC game against Father Lopez the other night. That was a great game, one for the ages. And, they will be playing at Tokoy Creek High School, and we've had the Tokoy versus Tokoy discussion. <laughs> the old, the the old St. John's folk tell me it's Tokoy, so I'm going with Tokoy, just like it's Pelissier Creek. Well, so so that we have all our bases covered, Mike. You go Tokoy, and I'm going to say Tokoy, and that way think- the, the 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 broadcast is at least uh, always right fifty percent of the time. When I was doing the <laughs> ancient city football show on our sister station country 106.3 in St. Augustine with Trent Ferguson. I would get, I I would get at least once a week reminded it's Tokoy, not Tokoy, but <laughs> you know, that's, that's the old St. John's County for well, you. We have a, a similar thing here in Flagler County. I always call it Bunnell, but I have actually heard some residents call it Bunnell. I don't know if no, no, no. Those are people. Those are people who haven't lived here very long. It's the same thing with <laughs> in Saint Saint John's oh. County. They say Ponte Vedra. No, it's Ponte Vedra, and it's been Ponte Vedra for hundred years. It's not Ponte Vedra. It's Ponte Vedra, just like it's Benel. Yeah. I used to work with somebody named Janelle who was from Benel. Oh, and to be called Janelle from Benel. That would not be as hilarious if it was Bunnell. It wouldn't work. No, but Janelle from Benel. <laughs> She didn't like that nickname. Joanne from Deland didn't mind me calling her Joanne from uh, Deland. <laughs> See, I know people everywhere. Rich. That's true, and the more people you know, the the more uh, counties you can rhyme with their name, and you know, uh, cities and and such. But uh, no, I hear you. That that's pretty exciting. So a lot of cool things going on here locally. It's it's that time of year, like you said, your favorite time of year district championships and yeah both both local basketball teams they ended the season looking pretty good and i like that fpc matchup there in the first round of the uh, district championship uh, with bartram trail i think that's a winnable game oh i absolutely do i think fpc has been up and down this year but it's not a very strong district so they have a chance to come out of that district in my opinion they have a chance to make a run i'm not going to Go ahead and say that they're going to win the district, but I think they definitely have a chance to to contend for that district championship for sure. Like I said, it's you know they've got that first round game against Bartram, and the rest of the district is not very good 
as well. And we've seen FPC playing some of their best basketball. Creekside's always tough. Creekside is always they can Creekside's always tough. They can make a deep run. You know, I, they have a new coach. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the old coach. Should I tell that story here, Rich? Uh, go ahead, whatever you want. Yeah. So, so about but again, back in my St. Augustine days, I was covering Creekside was in the regional finals. So they were playing for a chance to go to the final four, and they lost in overtime. And after the game, uh, it was about 30 minutes before anyone came out, and myself and a reporter from the St. Augustine record were waiting on the coach to come out. And every one of the players came out, and they talked to me, and they talked to Will from the record. And after about another 20 minutes of the players being gone, you know, we're still standing there. One of the assistant coaches came out and said, uh, coach said, you can call him Tuesday. He's not coming out tonight. And I thought in the 15 years I've been covering high school sports, I thought that was the most gutless thing I've ever seen. First of all, you, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You won against a final four team and it took them overtime to beat you. Secondly, Every other one of those players came out and faced the fans, faced their students, and owned up to the game. And this coach was too gutless, and I won't say his name, but his coach was too gutless to come out and even acknowledge. I I just thought it was the weakest thing I've ever seen, and it sticks with me. And every time I see Creekside basketball, Creekside boys basketball, I don't want to go there. I I have much love for the Creekside girls. They've come down to the um, FPC Bulldog Tournament many times. Uh, you know, they, they, a couple of their players are, in fact, Taylor Gardner, who played for Creekside Basketball, is the only player who I've announced in high school and college for a little trivia there. But, you know, the Creekside boys basketball, that memory always comes up. So I would love to see FPC make a run <laughs> and avenge that for me, even though there's nothing to avenge. Well, but FPC would play them with a victory over Bartram on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. And like I said, I think that is a, a winnable game big time. We just saw them go toe-to-toe with Father Lopez, who's 16-5 and five on the season. So uh, they're playing some pretty good basketball. And Bartram Trail, that is a winnable game. And you get to Creekside, who knows? I know that uh, they fell to Matanzas, uh, battle for Beltaire, but uh, Matanzas, uh, a major height advantage. And you saw that that really didn't matter much through the first three quarters with FPC. They they matched up well uh, with teams that, that are bigger than them. So... Um, I think anything's possible with this FPC team. That is a, a favorable matchup in the first round and uh, a very good possibility that we're going to see them move on and, and take on that Creekside team, Mike. And who knows, maybe, just maybe, they will exact revenge for you and, and uh, you can be proud of that. And, and we'll talk about it here on the Rich and Mike Sports Show. How about, I, I didn't realize that it was such a... a uh, it had such deep meaning for it you. Has nothing, it has, and it has nothing to do with me. It's it's about being accountable, and every one of those players was accountable, and the coach wasn't, and I've never forgotten that. FPC has showed up and played the better teams. The better the team, the better they seem to play. Palaka was 18-4 and four this year. FPC beat them twice. Father Lopez, you mentioned, 16-5. and five. Those two losses to Father Lopez by, were by a total of five points, so they are a team that can go out and play with the big boys. And speaking of big boys, we've seen some of their bigger players step up. We've seen Josiah Sanders in these last couple games playing a lot better. Jackson Waters has played well. So they're getting, they have a couple of raw 
big men in Sanders and Waters, but we've seen them play really well down the stretch. Waters had a pretty good game against Matanzas. Josiah Sanders was a force against Father Lopez. So I wouldn't even write off the height disadvantage with FPC because we've seen a couple of their younger, taller players starting to really get comfortable in their role. A hundred percent. So that's pretty exciting. And and how about the other team? A tougher matchup uh, to start off the district championship tournament for the Matanzas Pirates. But man, oh man, that team. Uh, you want to you want to talk about a team that that is playing spectacular basketball here toward the end of the season. You're talking about the Matanzas Pirates because and and we've talked about it before. There's so much talent up and down that roster. Uh, they pretty much, as a roster, as a team, uh, you look at them, they have everything you want and need in a basketball team. They have two very skilled big men who can play defense, who can put the ball in the basket, that could pretty much do anything you want them to do from those positions, a power forward and, and a center. Uh, so it, when when you're talking about Henry Ro uh, Robinson Jr., and uh, uh, what's Alex Davis, right? Alex Davis. You know, yes. those two guys. And uh, even and then from the guards, guards with Tariq Shakir running the show and a senior and so smart and, and a floor general. And then at the same time, Rock Jefferson, who is this incredibly skilled two guard that could knock it down from anywhere at any moment all over the basketball court. And then, you know, uh, you, you, you literally got – three guys there that can score and uh, I'm just I'm pumped up to see yeah I, I look at the Matanzas Pirates and it's uh, with the roster they have and the turnaround you know let's not forget they they started the season with a two and seven record and they have turned this thing around and they've beaten some good teams out there and they are a force to be reckoned with and like I said the sky's the limit for the Pirates I, I really think with with the players they have on this team Anything's possible. And we've seen, uh, you saw against Menendez that when that team is firing in all cylinders, that they're tough to beat. They, the one thing they do well is you've got, you've got three bona fide scorers in Shakir, Jefferson, and Robinson. But as my good friend Matt Driscoll at UNF used to say, they share the sugar. They, they are very adept at passing the ball you know, Rock Jefferson can go off for 35 points and he can have 10 assists in the same game. You know, Tariq, Je Tariq Shakir is the same way. He, 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 he knows when the, uh, what I like about Tariq Shakir the most, he knows when he needs to step up and be a scorer and he knows when he needs to be that facilitator and he does such a great job of it. But Henry Robinson, you know, he's a wing, but he can pass the ball. Alex Davis, it, he, you see his passing in the transition game. You see him, he knows he's going to get double teams. And rather than take bad shots and, you know, force the ball up because, hey, I'm 6'9", I can do it, he's always looking to make the right decision with the ball. If he goes up with a shot, he's not going up in a double or triple team. He's looking for the – he knows that somebody else is open and he does a good job of finding them. The way they move the ball is what I love most about Matanzas. So they've, they've got guys who can score, but they move the ball – around and they make sure that they get good looks. And we've seen that improve as they've gotten more comfortable together, you know, early in the year, the guards getting used to having Henry Robinson on the court with them. And then Alex Davis coming back from to, to play and you've seen him get worked into the system. So they really seem to be hitting their stride. I don't put too much into the loss the other night to Windermere prep 
They played a very, very good Deltona team on the road. That's a little bit of a trip from Palm Coast. And then the next night, a back-to-back. They've got to go all the way to the other side of Orlando and play an 18-win Windermere prep team. So maybe a little fatigue there. But So I don't put a whole lot in that loss. I like the way they've finished the season. You know, they'll they'll play Winter Springs on Tuesday, and Winter Springs will be a good test for them, but it's a test I think they're ready for. Oh, yeah, and, and – uh... With what you're saying and, and the chemistry that they have offensively, and they get after it defensively as well. They got they have guys on their roster that can really, and you need that when you have skilled players like Jefferson and uh, and Shakir and and uh, Henry Robinson Jr. and now Alex Davis getting involved. All these guys that could put the ball in the basket. Uh, you you have other guys that get after it defensively as well. Whether it's Michael McGuire who's a huge part of this team. Yeah, he shows so much energy defensively on the perimeter and, and going after rebounds. He's just one of those guys, man, that, that gets after it on the defensive end and does everything you need to do to win games. He, he, he makes winning plays, and you, know, you look up and down the roster, whether it's Godwin or Peter Austin, you know, uh, all these guys, um, Baker, they, they get after it uh, on the defensive end. And when you have the offensive firepower, the talent that the Pirates have, and at the same time have players that know their roles, and when they get in the game, they do the best they can to fill those roles. You have a a, a full team, a roster that's put together very well. There's no imbalance here. Uh, they have everything they need in all the different spots. So uh, I really believe that. And you mentioned you know, they, they did. They, they faced back-to-back really good teams with great records there down the stretch with uh, Deltona. I mean, uh, they're 15 and seven now. They scored 95 points on them. That's uh, that's insane. I would have loved to have seen that game. And and you mentioned Windermere Prep, and it was a, a you know back to back games. And, and we were talking before the show about the the travel and everything. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that either. Uh, I just go forward with the idea that uh, this is this is this is extreme talent with the pirates. So uh, if, if they're playing well and uh, you know, hidden on all cylinders, this is a team that could have a very special year here, but we're going to have to wait to find out. Michael McGuire. He's like Kamari and Lang from FPC, where if you looked at their numbers, you would say, well, this guy doesn't really contribute much, but that's where the numbers lie because those guys both do all the little things. They're getting steals. They're getting rebounds. You know, they're creating opportunities. They're they're forcing bad shots with double teams. Those guys are all over the place. And defense, you talk about the 95 points, but Henry Robinson has stressed that defense is important. And I was talking to Junior at one point, and I said, what's, you know, what's the biggest thing you have to learn? And he says, I've got to be better defensively. And I said, that's such a coach's kid answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what they say, sometimes – your shot will be off any given night and you don't quite have it offensively, but you should always have it defensively because that's about effort, right? Uh, you, you don't have to be on to, to, to have a good defensive night. You just have to have the will, the desire, the determination to go out there and, and give it your all on the defensive end. And uh, on, on, on the nights where and there have been more winning nights than losing nights uh, as of uh, uh, recent history, 
with the Matanzas Pirates. Uh, most nights they're getting out there, they're going after it defensively, and and like you said, any any one of these guys could step up and be the guy on any given night, whether it's Rock Jefferson or or Henry Robinson Jr. or uh, Tariq Shakir. These guys, one of these guys, get hot, and and like you said, they're unselfish. You know, if they see Jefferson is on fire, he's going to keep getting the ball. And the same thing with Henry Robinson. And, and you got to love uh, the chemistry that you see uh, with those guys as well, with the alley-oops and, and uh, all the spectacular connections they make uh, uh, there on the basketball court. Because sometimes it gets a little flashy out there, Mike. It's, it's a little showtime out it. there. Uh, I, I, I love it. You know, fa- we got football county. We got fast break county, too. And I love to see that. And – you talked about that defensive effort, you know, being there all the time. To shift gears real quick, that's how you go to 14-2 and two in a month is with a team that doesn't quit and plays good defense and the Stars are playing unselfish. That sounds like another team that we know and love, Rich, doesn't uh, it? Oh, man, I wish I would have I I had the music queued up here. Go, New York, go, New York, go. <laughs> but of I course. I probably have it here on my phone, <laughs> believe it or not. But of course, you know, you, you, we can't have nice things, Mike, because uh, uh, while they're destroying the Miami Heat, and we always love to destroy the Miami Heat, with four minutes left in the game, of course, Julius Randle dislocates his shoulder, of course, right? Uh, of course that's going to happen. So, uh, and, and, you know, who knows, we still haven't gotten anything definitive from the Knicks, which scares me a little bit. Oh, there, I, I, <laughs> the but, hold on, I got to turn it off. Yeah. But you know, it is, uh, um, uh, potentially devastating news. We'll see. Cause you're going to need that guy. Uh, last I heard is uh, they are going to reevaluate Randall's dislocated shoulder in two to three weeks. Uh, so it's looking like he's going to miss at least a month here. Could be a blessing in disguise. Maybe he gets to the playoffs fresh, uh, uh, having not played for a month. That's possible. So, you know, uh, it, it, but that's something you don't want to see. And like I said, it feels like, man, we can't have nice things. You know, like, as you mentioned, 14 out of their last 16 beating every big team in the NF and the NBA, whether it's destroying the Denver Nuggets. They have a win over Philly. They have a win over Minnesota, the top seed in the West. I mean, you go on and on and on, quality win after quality win. So it's not like they're just beating uh, poor teams during this, street, this stretch. They're beating some of the best teams in the NBA. And for Randall to go down like that on Saturday, it just, man, left a bad taste in my mouth over the weekend, but they were able to, to bounce back this weekend, not to mention that OG Ananobi also with the elbow inflammation now, and he's missed a couple of games in a row, but uh, uh, you know, they've been able to win two straight games without those guys, not the best teams. You know, they beat the, the Utah jazz one eighteen one Oh three the other day and they beat the Hornets, but still you got a Jalen Brunson, uh, playing MVP type basketball and Dante DiVincenzo looking like Clay Thompson these two games scoring 30 points. So uh, it's a talk about well balanced roster. I think that's what the Knicks have right now, Mike. And hopefully they could keep it going here and hold down the fort until uh, these big stars get back. So whose fault is this? Because about 10 minutes before Randall got hurt, they showed Drake sitting with Aaron Judge, and I said to my son, I said, that's not a good thing. I said, I don't want Drake near Aaron Judge. He's bad <laughs> luck. And then 10 minutes later, Julius Randle got hurt. 
Did I jinx Julius Randle by mentioning Drake being there, or did Drake mess up Julius Randle by being there? I'm going that it's Drake's fault. So sorry, I'm putting this all on Drake that he he's the reason that Julius Randle got hurt. But fortunately, like you said, two to three weeks is they're going to reevaluate him, and we'll see. They get him back for the stretch run. They have a chance. They're probably not getting to the one seed, but they've got a chance right now to if they can keep this up. They could make it to the two seed, which would be something that just a month ago we would have said was impossible. About a month ago, we thought, well, is this team going to hold on and make it to the playoffs? Now, I'm yeah. starting to believe, Rich, and I don't well, like when I start believing. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a hard fall sometimes, but uh, yeah, you give them credit, and uh, that month of January was their best month since 1994, Mike, and we all remember what happened that year. Oh, don't we? <laughs> you know, I'm looking at my Twitter feed right now, and I had a tweet that said, you know, when you see a picture of a brick, who do you think of? And my answer, oh. you can follow me at Football County <laughs> 1. My answer was John Starks. Yeah. And it, 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 I, I got to be honest. Mike wanted was, to see Hubert Davis. <laughs> I, I, I almost went up to Hubert Davis and asked him that once, like, you know, but I was like, he'll just think I'm a crazy person. This was at an NCAA tournament game, and North Carolina had just won to advance to the Sweet 16. I think, you know, Hubert Davis at the time was an assistant, and I was like, I don't think he wants to answer questions about the 94 finals right now. But it's a question I've been wanting to ask since I was 12 years old. I I cried. I cried when they lost. I was 12 years old, and I cried, and it'll be 30 years on June 22nd of this year. It'll be the 30th anniversary of the Knicks losing Game 7. And I've never once watched a replay of that series, never watched a highlight, nothing. It still hurts to watch. It still hurts to think about. And I know it sounds insane, but you know me by now. I'm insane. But that one, I'll never get over it. And it doesn't matter if the Knicks win a title. I'll be thrilled, but it won't replace the fact that Patrick Ewing never got to win a title because Patrick deserved to win a title. And... No one deserved it more than him. I've still got my Ewing jersey hanging in the closet. I won't get rid of it. And, you know, maybe I need to to exercise those demons, but I just can't do it. That's like me with the 2001 World Series uh, with all the late game heroics, Jeter with the Mr. November, the whole thing. I can't watch any of those highlights uh, with, with, with the Yankees losing to the Diamondbacks in seven games that year. And, uh, I was walking around in a daze for weeks after that one. The Yankees going for their fourth straight championship to lose in game seven like that. And there are a lot of great moments for the Yankees in that series. As I mentioned, Mr. November, the whole thing. I just I can't watch any of it. It's too painful. So I, I know where you're coming from. Get your take well, on, on, on. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. OK. I was just going to say, the one thing I will say is we've talked about on this show my trauma from that series and how I still hate bringing the infield in, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about my <laughs> hatred for that in baseball season. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll get a steady dose of that coming up. Uh, real quick, we got a couple of minutes here. Uh, our picks last week, we won both games. You're, you got to 500 uh, during this playoff run, 6-6 six and six NFL playoffs. I'm 8-4. Your take on the Lions and their choke job against the 49ers, Mike, and and uh, the coach leaving points on the board. That is something you hear me say all the time. NFL coaches leave way too many points on the field. And you have to take – they took the field goal to make it a, a three-score game in the second quarter. They didn't do it in the third. 
And I, I'm okay with that one. I'm actually okay with that one. But in the fourth quarter, you've given up 17 unanswered. If for nothing else but to stop the bleeding and get some points on the board, you've got to kick the field goal there. The, the analytics said that there was a better chance of winning if you went for it there. You know what the difference was? It was 0.3%, which means out of 300 times, if you'd kick the field goal, you'd have the same chance in 299 of them. So it was a one in three hundred chance that that makes it you win the gives you a better chance to win the game. I'm not buying it. And then you call you run the ball on third down. You you have to call a timeout. All of it we're playing percentages, right? Math, math, math. But you run it on third down. You have to call a timeout. Now you have a play that your whole game rests on you recovering an onside kick, a play that's been converted four percent of the time this season. So you were so concerned with the math that you wouldn't take three points because three is less than seven, but you ran it on third down and used your timeout and left your entire season hanging on a play that had a 96% chance of not working. Oh, yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Coaching killed the Lions in this game and it robbed America of what would have been a feel-good Super Bowl. And I'll say this, while coaching was the reason I feel that the Lions lost that game against the 49ers. I'm tired of the excuses. Coaching was not the reason the Ravens lost this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care. You want to tell me they went away from the run. They only ran eight times in the second half. Bottom line in this game, Lamar Jackson was terrible. He cost him the game. They scored 10 points. The defense did a great job. The, the Chiefs only scored 17 points. Lamar Jackson was terrible. And Patrick Mahomes gets it again on his way to becoming the GOAT. You'll get our picks for the Super Bowl next time. Have a great weekend, Flagler County.